Hello, and thank you for tuning in to today's service from Harvest Church in Silver City, New Mexico. We hope this encourages you and brings you closer to the Lord. Now, today's word from Pastor Clyde. All right, today, today we get to continue on uh, with a tradition, uh, one of my favorite Sundays of the year. I started this when I first got here. Um, I, I thought it'd be important for us to be able to have other people uh, share their heart for God and share a message with you. Um, and, and it's fun because what we've done is we created seven-minute slots for several of our team to come up here and preach to you. We call it seven-minute sermons. This year, our theme that I gave our team is New Year, New You. And so hopefully they'll stay within that theme. If not, they're, they're still going to preach. You know, they're still going to do big things. So. And uh, I've, asked, uh, I've asked some of our team members, um, each, each one of these am- amazing leaders are going to have seven minutes, seven minutes to preach to you, okay? So they're going to have to do it condensed, they're going to have to get the point across, and they're going to have to get with it, okay? And so I gave them the order, and, uh, and, and we have some music, we're going to announce them, and then they're going to come on stage um, like the Chicago Bulls they used to in the 90s, you know if you guys remember this? You guys will recognize the music here in a second. Uh, and I'm going to introduce them. They're going to come up here to the front so you can see all of our speakers. And then we're going to kick this thing off, okay? All right, is our music ready? Turn that up a little bit. All right, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Arenas Valley. Standing five foot eight, Judah Mandelo. From Riadoso, New Mexico. Beautiful angel, Pastor Ashley Woods. From Elmira, New York. Pastor Timothy Stearns. From Silver City, New Mexico, lifelong resident. Give it up for Rebecca Hill. And the man in the middle. I'll wrap it up. Hey, give it up for our team. They're going to be preaching here in just a second. I'll wrap it up when we're done. We're going to have an amazing time. Oh, it's going to be fun. Wasn't that cool? Some of you are like, what kind of church did we come to today? But let's come back. Judy, you got that microphone? You're ready to go, man. Here we go. Judah's up. Hey, seven minutes is on the clock. Give it up for Judah. Really put me on the spot there. Man, it's good to see you guys. Happy New Year. It's here, 2020, ready or not. And I hope today we don't just get a New Year's resolution, but we get a New Year's solution, and that's in Jesus Christ. Man, I love transitioning into a new year. It's a fresh start, a chance for a new beginning. And I, I believe God created this transition to remind us that he is the God of new beginnings. God can create something new. He can take your heart that is broken and unclean and defiled and turn it into 
and purposeful and make it whole again. This new year, it's time to allow the new you to live and be alive. And it's not going to cost you a dollar. It won't cost you new gym membership. It won't even have to change your diet. It's going to allow the new you who's inside, who Christ says you are, to come out and be alive. Church, it's time to start to walk in your true identity. It's time for us to cry out to God and say, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me, oh God. You know, there's this story in uh, Acts chapter 9. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you guys probably heard it, crossed over it. It's the story of a, a man named Saul. And he was on the road to Damascus. And he encountered Jesus. And it changed his life. He was born again. He received his true identity and chose to walk in it. He was walking in an identity that he thought was real, that he was called to be. People around him, that's who it is. I'm persecuting Christians. This is who I am. And some of us, we walk in identity. We may think it's who we're supposed to be. But God has your true identity. He has who you want. He created you to be. In, in verse 6 of, of, it's in Acts chapter 9. Read the story if you want. But so he trembling and astonished said, this is Saul, Lord, what do you want me to do? I love that. This, this man was on a mission, and he was humbled. God showed up, and he, in the midst of that, meeting Christ and saying, this is not who I created you to be, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Most of us will admit, man, we have character traits or habits we'd like to change. Some of you maybe even try to modify our behavior. But just changing outward behavior is like rolling back the odometer on a car. It has 200,000 miles. We could roll it back to 20,000 miles. But that doesn't change that the car still has 200,000 miles on it. But let me tell you guys, there's hope for the person who sincerely desires to change. The power to change like that means admitting we can't do it on our own and asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? Who do you say that I am? Remember, lasting change comes from within, and we need to allow the Lord to do his work. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, he transforms us, changes us from the inside out. Instead of just rolling back the odometer on the car and being the same old person inside, he gives us a spiritual heart transplant. Now that, my friends, that's change. That's real change. And that's change that lasts. That's the New Year's solution for 2020. And just like Saul, he was changed from the inside, and he chose to make that, that hour of transformation by shedding his old Hebrew name, Saul, and changing it to Paul so he could begin again. And choose, you can choose to do the same today. It's time for a new name, that old name that you've been labeled with, defeated, worthless, helpless, addict, adulterer, fornicator, drunkard, good-for-nothing, low life is done with. That's not who you are. God created you. He says you're a child of God. You're loved. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. You're honored. You're worthy. You're part of a chosen generation. You were created for good works. You are the head and not the tail. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That's who you are. Man, after Saul went through his transformation, became Paul, he wrote Philippians. I'm just going to share this to you. It's the Passion Translation, uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. It says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion 
into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus Christ. This is amazing. Saul went from persecuting Christians to Paul, who wrote many books in the, in the Bible and was totally sold out for Christ. What do you want me to do, Lord? Who do you say that I am? This past year, you may, you may have felt defeated after all those wrong turns or poor decisions. You may have thought, man, my future's over. Or maybe you almost lost your life. But God is still not done with you. No, instead, God longs to give you a new beginning. God sees you and knows your heart. He loves you to the very core. It's time for us to come to Jesus this year. God's grace is the outstretched hand he offers you to stand and face life once more with him this time. You know, Saul realigned his priorities. He was walking in one identity. He met Christ. He heard him and he said, I'm going to change my priorities. And it's time for each of us to realign our priorities in 2020 in preparation for the promotion of who you truly are. Stop living in the past. It's, it's, it's like we're, we're living with a phone that's on the wall and it has a certain core. We can only go so far in that identity. God's cutting that. He's upgrading you to 5G, wireless service. Everywhere you go, that's who you are. You're victorious. This, write this down, note takers. This is it. God, this is what God's doing in 2020. The person you were, the person we are, and the person we are called to be, and God is merging all three in 2020. So you learn the lesson from who you used to be so you can function in who you are to set you up for who you're called to be. The old version of you is not compatible with your new calling, your true identity in Christ Jesus. God, what do you want me to do? Are you ready for your upgrade? Are you ready to walk in your true identity? Come on, 2020. Lord, what do you want me to do? Stand in your true identity. Love you guys. Wow, everybody's all fired up now. How do I follow that, Judah? So this weekend we went out of town. Pastor Clyde every once in a while teaches at... Um, the, the ministry network has a school of ministry, so he teaches twice a year. So this time we went with him. We're like, why not just go hang out at the hotel? So when we get to the hotel, of course, Elijah's like, I want to go swimming right away, right? And we all know the worst part of the hotel's pool is the smell and when it burns your eyes or skin. Now everybody's thinking about that time when you were a kid and you were in the pool and your eyes were on fire, but you couldn't get out because you were having so much fun. The burning comes from a cleaning process called shocking the pool. If you do not know what shocking the pool is, it's where people put chlorine in the pool and it cleans it up. Some professionals say shocking the pool is a very neglected process in having a pool. When your eyes burn or your skin is actually, it's not from the chlorine, but it's from a lack of chlorine or not being clean enough. What happens is waste that happens to be nitrogen gets in the pool, mixes and 
creates this perfect ionic bond with chlorine, and it creates ammonia. The ammonia is what causes the burning and the smell. Today, I want to talk to you briefly about fasting and what it's like for, it's like whenever you don't care for your pool, it's also the same with your spiritual life. It has consequences. We fast because we want to be like Jesus, and we can do this by following what he did. When he was on earth, um, we read about him fasting in chapter 2 of Matthew. We see that he fasted for 40 days. And if he fasted, of course we want to do what he did, so we want to fast. In this same section, we see that Jesus was tempted by the devil. If Jesus was tempted, we too will be tempted. Fasting gives us strength to fight the enemy. Matthew 17, 21 says, This kind does not go away, but through fasting and prayer alone. In this passage, the disciples were wondering why they were unable to cast a demon out of a child. Jesus told them that they weren't prepared, and only fasting and prayer would take the demon out. Like the disciples, we need to be prayed up and fast to fight the battles that we have to fight. What if Christians were not busy fighting defense all the time? What if instead we were fighting offense? We got the enemy before he could get us. That's what fasting can do for you and those around you if you fasted regularly. We also fast when we're in need of a miracle. In the Bible, we see miracles happened when people stepped, took the first step. With fasting, I've seen marriages restored, depression healed, and much more. Fasting will reconnect you with the Father so the world cannot tell you its lies. You see, if we stay proactive in our faith, you will believe if you do not stay proactive, you'll believe any lie the enemy whispers in your ear. I'm not telling you something that sounds good. I have myself fasted and gone without food for days. I have seen the own benefits in my life. A couple of reminders, Pastor Clyde hit on these earlier. If you're fasting and you do not pray, it really is a diet. Biblical fasting is abstaining from food. Although taking periods off of social media and television is wise, it's not a fast. This year, guys, I challenge you to fast and pray with us. Perfect opportunity because we're fixing to do a corporate fast for 21 days. Um, fast for your family, for our nation. Fast for a deeper connection with God so that you won't be stuck in what God did yesterday because God wants to do a new thing in your life today. All right. Oh, very loud. Awesome. Great stuff. There's no, I, you said there's going to be a timer on the screen. There's not one. So I don't, I, let me, let me start over right here. Cause I'm really going to, I'll go for three years. All right. Just start. All right. One second already. Golly. All right. I'm a little sick in case you guys can't hear. So I'm sorry. I sound pretty annoying. Uh, whenever someone's sick, you just want to be like, just stop talking. Anyways, here we go. I only got seven minutes. I got to do this thing. Do want to talk about two things. First one, hunger. Hunger is a biblical principle. It's funny because we're talking about fasting. I'm going to talk about it in a different way, though. So there's this thing that uh, the Bible talks about, hunger, all right? There's a a ton of stories where people are filled to the amount that they're hungry, okay? This happens a lot. There's this one miracle where there's a fish in the five loaves. You know, the kids got the food. They pass it out, and and everybody gets the food. But And it says everybody eats until they're full, and there's some extra, 
the same thing keeps happening in other places. Uh, in Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are those who thirst and hunger after righteousness, for they will be filled. All right? And over and over again, we see for whatever you're hungry for, that's where you're going to get filled with. All right? Stick with me here. So, so picture this. Thanksgiving. We all know we eat mad food way more than we should. There's a ton of leftovers. We're like, why do we make this much? Do we cook for 80 people or just four? We cook for 80. We don't know why. So there's all that food. You're already stuffed, and there's so much there. What if right after you're stuffed, someone comes over, and they're like, hey, I just made a dinner for you guys. I need you to eat this right now. You're going to be like, I can't. I can't eat. I'm not, I'm not hungry. I mean, I'm already full. You know, I already had all that. So I can't, I can't keep eating. This happens a lot in the church and with the Lord is we come in and it's time to eat, but nobody's hungry. We come in and it's like, oh, like here's what can happen in church with, I mean, not just the building, but with God is you can walk into a place and whatever you're hungry for, whatever you're expecting God for, it's, it's not on him, it's on you for how hungry you are. It's like somebody, somebody equated it to this. They're like, if you bring a cup to a waterfall, do you think that waterfall can fill your cup up? Yeah, it's going to fill it up, all right? What about if you brought a swimming pool to your, the waterfall? It's going to fill it up. It doesn't matter what size you bring to the waterfall. It's going to fill it up. If you can bring an ocean to a waterfall, and eventually that ocean will be filled, all right? And this is the same thing with the Lord. It doesn't matter what you are expecting. It doesn't matter what you're searching after. So I'll say it like this. So if you came in today and you're just like, hey, maybe, you know, there's going to be like, Five different sermons. I'll hopefully I'll get something out of at least one of them. I don't know, you know. Maybe, maybe it'll be good and I'll, 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 the day will be better. It'll be a good day. But if you're only hungry for your day to get good, that's the only possibility that can happen. But if you're hungry, uh-oh, I'm going to start preaching at you. But if you're hungry for your whole entire life to change after you hear something, then that's going to happen. I'm telling you guys, this happens over, you guys know those like overly spiritual people who see a leaf fall and they're like, oh my gosh, God is speaking to me right now. We need to, we need to fall away to our sin and rise to life. It's like, how did you get, it's because they're hungry to hear from God in every single second. And, so, and, these, and this happens all the time. So right now we're in church. We're kind of like, hey, you know, we're here to like, well, I should probably learn something so my life gets better. But this can happen all the time. God wants to speak to you all the time. Your life can change forever, literally at any moment. It just depends how hungry you are. So let me ask you guys, how hungry are you guys? Starving. But this is something we need to do every day. Every time we come before God, every time we come to church, we need to kind of check our, our spiritual appetite because literally Everything can change with the presence of God. It just matters how hungry we are. I'm pretty sure it's like 19 minutes already. Let me just, how do I? Oh, three minutes? Come on. That's pretty good. Three and a half minutes. Good. I had a whole another part. All right. I got to fly through this then. Good. You guys got that? Hungry. Be hungry. It's good. It's good to be hungry. We're going to fast soon. You're going to be hungry. All right. Um, all right. So the Bible talks about change. We know, we, talk, we already talked about change a little bit. So God made you, right? He made me. So he knows that we are capable of change. He knows that that's, like, he knows how. And he also knows the best way for us to change, seeing as how he made us and he made everything, right? He's actually wired our bodies in a way to adapt and to transform and to change and all these things. Uh, the Bible says in Romans 12, 2, it says you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's saying do not, don't be conformed to the world. Everybody's going one way. It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is crazy. So we can change everything just based off of what we think, all right? Now I'm going to give you guys a quote, and this will rock you, okay? So I really want this to sink in, all right? Seriously. 
it is impossible for someone to behave in a manner that is inconsistent with how they see themselves. Let me read that again. It is impossible for someone to behave in a way that is inconsistent with how they see themselves. That means if you're doing something or if you're acting a certain way, that the only possible way that you can act that way is because that's how you see yourself. So if you keep falling into sin and you keep on making poor decisions and doing all this stuff, it's because you see yourself in that way. You see yourself as a sinner. You see yourself as someone, oh, I'm just an idiot. I'm always going to make dumb decisions. You know, I never, I never do things right. It's how you see yourself. Weird. 2020 division thing. Cute, right? All right. I'll keep going. So you're transformed with the renewing of your mind, but it's, it's a matter of how you see yourself. And this is another thing that happens in the Bible, too. It's a pattern of, of change and how, and how things happen. Usually it's sin, but it can also happen with good things, too. So in the Garden of Eden, right, there's Eve, Adam. They're both sitting there, and uh, Eve goes up. The serpent's like, hey, Eve, uh, you, should have this, you should have this apple, right? And it's the, it's the, what it says right there on the Bible, it says, she looked and saw that the fruit was good for eating, and then she desired it in her own heart. Okay? So she looked, and then she desired it in her own heart, and then she took it. Again, David and Bathsheba, this is like David's worst, one of his worst mistakes, right? He finds a girl, thinks she's hot, kills her husband. It's a whole thing. It's terrible. But this whole thing started out. This whole thing started out. He's, he's on his balcony. He's like, I'm the king. I've got the best view in town. He looks out, and he sees this girl. She's bathing. Obviously, most people don't bathe with their clothes on, not even back then. So he's looking at it, he's like, whoo, right? And it says, again, it says he looked, and then he desired after her. And then, it, you know, it all went, it was terrible. It went bad after that, okay? It wasn't good. But the same thing can happen. It's about our vision. It's a, what do you want to be? What do you aspire to be? Okay, this is, a, and you don't even have to be a Christian to take from this. This is like real life stuff. It can go anywhere. If you want to work out, like this is what happened. Like people who want to work out and be strong, they have a picture of like just someone. I mean, there's this dude Clyde likes. is like the giant, whatever. Or who's that dude? I don't know. Oh, uh, the rock. That's who it is. He loves the rock, right? And so he's like, oh, I'm about to have my shoulders looking like the rock, you know, or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? But you have to have this aim because this is how it starts. You start to, you look, and then it begins to desire in your heart. And that's how things begin to change. I, mean, I could preach about this for eight years. But that's already eight seconds over. Love you guys. Happiness. Is this on? Yeah. Okay. So I'm actually going to be uh, talking out of Hebrews 11. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn there. Hebrews 11. Um, and I actually want to talk a little bit about hope and faith. So how many of you want to start the new year with a new hope and a deeper faith? Yeah. So I actually, I feel like the ache of the heart right now is, is hope. And uh, people are desperately in need of hope. And so if we go to Hebrews 11, uh, verse 1, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So according to this verse, faith actually stems from hope, right? So hope or faith actually sees what is not yet visible, but hope feels it first. And so we have to, we hope Hope, uh, faith uh, sees, but hope feels. 
Hope sees, but faith sees, but hope feels. And so I need to actually explain a little bit about hope first. Um, in the world, the worldly definition of hope is a wish, right? We, we hope for a, for a white Christmas, or we hope that the car starts, or, you know, that's the worldly definition of hope. But the biblical definition is actually different. And the biblical definition of hope is the, the expectation of something good, right? The confident expectation of something good. That's what hope is. So faith sees, hope feels. And in other words, it's the knowing that we serve a God who, is, who has a reputation for invading impossible situations and reversing their effects, right? That is the hope. We know a God who can change situations just like that, okay? Faith sees it, but hope fills it. Here's the thing, though. You have to actually, in order to see something, you have to be able to anticipate it, okay? To have this eager expectation that God is about to do something powerful. Even though you don't see it, or you don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but you have the eager expectation that you serve a God that can, okay? Hope, in other words, hope is actually what gets me off of my couch onto the front porch so that I can begin to see, okay? So hope is what says, (laughs) I need to be looking for something powerful because I'm anticipating something powerful is going to happen, right? Hope gets me off my couch onto the front porch, but faith sees what I've been feeling, okay? So in Mark chapter 5, we read an account of a woman who had an issue with blood, Right, And in the scripture, it tells us that she actually had an issue of blood for 12 years. And when you read it, it says that she had spent all of her money on physicians. She had no money. And it actually says that her situation was not getting better, that it was getting worse. But, God, (laughs) right? She had heard of this man named Jesus. And she had heard of his power to heal. See, hope got her out of that house. Hope got her off of that couch onto that front porch, and she went in search, right? It says that faith is what healed her. If you read in the scripture, God said, Jesus says, it is your faith that healed you. But she had to have hope first. Hope got her off that couch into the arms of Jesus where she just touched the hem of his garment right? It wasn't her faith in his garment. It was her knowing this man, Jesus, and what he had the power to do for her. She knew him, okay? So here's the thing. Any area, I'm sure that that many of us have an area of our life. Maybe we're not in, in hopelessness, but some of us have an area in your life, a particular area in your life where you are hopeless, where when that situation comes up, you just kind of stop thinking about it, right? You put like a barrier up because you have hopelessness towards that particular situation. Any area in your life that, is, that you have no hope is under the influence of a lie, okay? See, the spiritual realm operates off of faith, good and bad, 
And when you believe a lie, you empower the liar. Fear is actually faith in the wrong God. I'm afraid because I believe that something bad is going to happen. So in other words, hopelessness is hope in the wrong God. So I stop hoping means I stop believing. And when I stop believing, I stop receiving. Because everything in the kingdom comes by faith. Right? So how do we cultivate hope? First of all, we know that faith stems from hope, and we know that hope is the confident expectation of good, right? So hope is knowing who he is. As Tim did so well last Sunday, he taught us that we need to know him, that we need to know God. And so there's obviously lots of ways to cultivate hope, but we need to know God in order to get hope. We need to understand his nature, We need to understand that he is a good God, that he's a good father, and that he wants what's best for his kids, right? And the second thing, my mouth is dry. (laughs) The second thing is to recall what he's done, right? There's a power. There's power in your testimony. There's power in testimonies, okay? If you have cancer, do a Google search for healed testimonies of healed cancer. If you have a failed marriage, do a search for how God has restored marriages. Feed yourself on what he has already done. What he has already done, testimonies are a prophetic picture. You see, the prophetic actually changes the present or it foretells the future. And so... Reading these testimonies is actually a prophetic picture of what he will do again and what he can do again. So I want to pray for you. I want you to put your hand on your heart. And I want everybody to repeat after me. I am a child of God and I am deeply loved. I am not powerless. I am powerful. I will no longer believe the lie that there is no hope for my situation. I am not hopeless. I am hopeful. Therefore, I have faith that stems from hope because I know that he is good. And I am part of a team that is here to change the world. God bless you guys. Nailed it. You can take that down. You can take that with you. Get you a drink of water. That's why I'm always so adamant about uh, having water up here because it, it gets rough up here. Hey, we get up. We give it up for all four of them. They did phenomenal. <laughs> So blessed, so blessed by them. I, I don't want to preach to you. Um, I just want to wrap up a couple of things as we wrap up service because um, my heart was for you to hear from them and their hearts and 
they did so good. I was so proud of, you know, um, every single one of them, you know, from Judah to, you know, I remember when I first met Judah, we were set at, at Q's Bistro two and a half years ago, and he shared a story, and it was phenomenal, the story to see that God's gone through uh, with him and that he's gone through with God, uh, you know, to my wife, who is terrified to speak in front of people, uh, to stand here and share her heart. is amazing. And uh, Pastor Tim, who is one of a kind, um, is just phenomenal. It's fun. I love him. He is literally like a son to me, and I, I love him. I care for him and Noel. And Rebecca is my sister, man. She is. She's the one I call if there's a if there's ever a hard time. I'll text her at three thirty in the morning, and she knows that I do it. I text her at three thirty in the morning. Um, because I know if she tells me she's going to pray for me, she will pray for me. And I love that. And I love this team. But I want to challenge you because, you know, we, we sit here at the beginning of a new year. 2020, we're staring it right in the face. We get to make the decision of what this year is going to be like. We get to make that decision right now. You know, one of the great things about New Mexico is our green chili, right? You know what makes, you know, we could take our green chili and we could take it to Florida and plant it, but it would not be the same, right? It would not be the same. Florida could bring its orange trees over here and plant them, but they wouldn't be the same orange trees. There's something to be said about the right environment. And I need to challenge each and every one of you as pastor of this church. You need to find your environment. For some of you, you are stuck in a bad environment right now. You've been praying, God, I want to get off these drugs. I want to get my family back together. Well, then it's time to leave the drug house. It's time to make some changes. You need to find the right environment. This is our year. Guys, I, I don't know if you can feel it, but there is an excitement right now in this church. I hope you can feel it. If you don't, you need to check your pulse. There's an excitement, and I believe God is fixing to do some big things. And I believe that he's going to use every single one of you that is sitting there today. If you're ready and you're willing, and you change that environment. So don't make a New Year's resolution. Those are easy to do, and they're easy to fail. I love what Judah said. Make a New Year's solution. What's going to be my solution? I know what I need to do. I know the decisions I need to make. What am I going to do to make them? What am I going to do every day to put one foot in front of the other to get done? Thank you for listening to today's service. If you feel led to give or would like more information about the church, please check us out at harvestsc.com. And tune in next week for more. 
We here at Harvest love you and pray that God will bless you and keep you. Harvest, go be the church.